Welcome to Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. Thank you for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted, where biblical truths are shared. My goal is to uplift and challenge you today to find a place for dyslexia in your life and let Christ take center stage of your life. Oh, one more thing. I want you to know you are the most courageous person I know, even though we have never met. Our journey informs me that you are indeed courageous. You're gifted, you're smart, funny, and kind. So please pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and be blessed. Today we're going to be in the book of Joshua, which is the sixth book in the Bible. And the principle we're going to be discussing today is God's fulfillment of his promises. Now remember, a principle is a fundamental truth, and that truth is the foundation, the solid rock on which we stand, that it governs our daily life. So let's explore this principle further. Now the book of Joshua is truly a continuation of the five books we have already gone over that was written by Moses in the Bible. And it is also the conclusion of God's leading them out of Egypt into the land he promised them. Now, for a brief moment, we're going to take a look at two very key people in the book of Joshua, and that is Joshua and Caleb. I just want to take a few minutes to talk about both of them and the role that they played in God's fulfilling his promises. Now, in Deuteronomy 31, we read, The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. Now, the Lord is talking to Moses, and the Lord is telling Moses that he is going to go over before him, and he's also going to send Joshua ahead of him. Now, if you have read in Deuteronomy, you know that Moses never actually went over. He died there in the wilderness, and that's where he was buried. However, Joshua was to take up his role, and also he was the one that would be used by God to continue their journey to the promised land. Now, in Deuteronomy and also in Exodus, you do find that Joshua spent years in training under Moses, preparing him for this role he would take. Joshua was being prepared at the eventuality to take his place. What's beautiful about this story is Joshua had his own relationship with the Lord. They come upon the promised land, and all they really have to do is continue moving forward. Moses had selected a group of men to go over into the promised land to bring back a report of what they saw. And this is what they did. However, the report came back that the land flowed with milk and honey, but they also reported that there were giants in the land. Now Joshua and Caleb voiced what the word of God says, a good report. But the other men, the Bible says that they brought back a evil report. These men spoke falsely. They complained. They even refused to stand on the truth that God would go before them and subdue the land, which he had promised to do. 
I mean, God wasn't ignorant about what was in the land. It was his land. He is God. He sees it all. But the people allowed their fears to rule their ability to make a decision. The people came to the conclusion that, that the giants in the land were more powerful than God. So the children of Israel actually disqualified themselves from receiving the promise. These men caused such a stir in the camp that the people murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the next day they proposed that they would elect a leader to take them back to Egypt. They was ready to give it all up because of fear. Now at this pronouncement, Moses and Aaron, as the word tells us, their faces to the ground. Caleb and Joshua tore their clothes in disbelief at what they were proposing to do. Now, it was this same Joshua, along with Caleb, that stood for the truth when instructed to go over into the land of promise and search it out. And once again, they brought back a good report. They said that it was exceedingly good land. They further stated that, you know, if the Lord delighted in them, he would give them the land that flowed with milk and honey. He also warned them not to rebel against God. And he told them not to be afraid of the people that they had seen in the land. He further states and reminds them that the Lord would be with them. Although they agreed with the report that it was exceedingly good, that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, they rose their voice in fear and doubt and disbelief that they were able to take possession of the land, the land of promise. The congregation made a decision, and that decision is found in Numbers 14, verse 10, and it says, But the congregation bade stone them with stones. And they're talking about Moses and Aaron, Caleb and Joshua, because they were the ones that stood for the truth. What stopped them? And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle, of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now, this is the Lord's response, and you can pick this up in Numbers 14 when the Lord says the following in verse 11 And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? He goes on to say, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and will make of thee a greater nation, and mightier than they. Now, this is the second time the Lord has said this to Moses. When the children of Israel danced around that calf, he said, I will make thee a great nation. He's saying it's not a problem. <laughs> okay. Once again, what the Lord is doing, he is encouraging Moses to intercede for this rebellious nation. He's not idly suggesting that he will make Moses a nation. He's prepared to do it. But here is where Moses' gift of intercession comes in. And this starts with verse 13. It says, Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou brought up this people in the might from among them, and that the people will say, Aha, you couldn't handle it. You couldn't control the very people that you demanded to come out of Egypt. Moses says in verse 17, And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, verse 18, The Lord is long-suffering 
and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children unto the third and fourth generation. He's quoting the commandments, which is found in Exodus 20 and then also in Deuteronomy 5. He says in verse 19, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Now here's the Lord's response in verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. In other words, because you have interceded on their behalf, not for any selfish reasons or means, because of your great love for the people. According to your word, I have pardoned them. Now, twenty-one is the <laughs> the twenty-one is the, is a very important verse. It starts off with the word "but." As truly as I live, now think of that. The Lord says, "As truly as I live, who lives in eternity, who is eternal, there is no beginning or end." As truly as I live, <laughs> I found that amusing. So He's basically saying. As long as eternity lasts, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And in 22, he says, Because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now for these ten times. The Lord is keeping record. He's keeping count. And have not hearkened unto my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. I want to stop there for a minute. Remember the principle we're talking about here. And the principle is God fulfills his promises. Why this principle is so important is this. When we think about a promise, we generally think about something very positive, something that we are looking forward to, something that we desire. God is making a promise here to the people, to the children of Israel, to the original adults that came out of Egypt, that first generation that came out of Egypt. He is making a promise to them. And the promise is, you're not going to see the promised land. I promise you, you're not going to see it. That land that you despise, the land that you refuse to take possession of, you're never going to see it. And that's a promise. And here's the promise. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Lord further gives Moses instructions in verse 25, where he tells Moses, he says, Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. In other words, we're going to start this all over again. <laughs> when I thought about what the one principle that I could bring out it was that God keeps his promises. And those promises are not always what we want. You think about it. 
As soon as Moses told the people what the Lord had decided, they regretted it. And what did they say in verse 40? It says, And the people rose up in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here and we will go up into the place which the Lord had promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you go and transgress the commandments of the Lord? And he tells them, You're not going to prosper. And he tells them, do not go up or the Lord will not be with you. The Lord is not among you. People didn't listen. They went over. They were defeated. They ran back with their, well, they ran back. <laughs> because the Lord had departed from them. Now, if you go to Joshua, when you look at the first chapter, the first generation have died off. And he's talking to that second generation. And what is so sad about it, he had to wait 40 years to deliver his promise. The Bible says God is a man that he should not lie. That's in Numbers as well. I think it's number 23. Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years to see the manifestation of God's promise to them. 40 years. And they were the only two. Not even Moses was able to go in. They were the only two that was allowed to go into the promised land. The Lord talks to Joshua, and he says to him in verse 6 of Joshua 1, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. What is Joshua's role? It is to take the people to the promised land, to finish what Moses was unable to do, to help them divide the land and subdue it. That was his role. And we all have a role to play in the plan of salvation. We just need to find out what that is. And the Lord will see to it that we fulfill our role, just as he did with Joshua. In verse 7 it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou may observe to do according to all the law, and we talked about the law in Leviticus. He says, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. In verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Think about it. Think on it. Read it. Study it. Therein, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And here is the piece. When you want to understand God's definition of success, here it is. For therein shall thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That's verse 8. Verse 9 further states, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee this is a promise he's making Joshua and he's encouraging him to continue standing on the truth in Joshua 14 this is the Lord who kept his promise to Joshua he says of Joshua the Lord kept his promise to Caleb and he says the following in Joshua 14 Let's look at verse 8 
And it says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Go to verse 12. And what is Caleb's response? And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five. I mean, he's eight or five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now. Verse 12, I love verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heard in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the city were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto him Caleb his inheritance. God kept his promise to Caleb. That brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> he waited for 40 years to take possession of that very mountain that he had stood on, that the children of Israel refused to go into that land he waited for 40 years for the Lord to keep his promise. And I dare say he ever murmured and complained about those 40 years wandering in the wilderness, dealing with the punishment that he did not deserve. And I think that made the taking possession of God's promise to him that more sweeter, that much more precious to him, because he found God to be a man of his word. He found him to be true. And I say this to us who have dyslexia. You know, I used to say to the look, I'm getting old. What do I know about podcasting? What do I know about making a difference in other people's lives that have dyslexia? And I have such regret that I didn't do a lot of things earlier. But this story gives me such hope. It gives me such peace that at the age of 85, which I am not, <laughs> I'm not there yet. But at the age of eight or five, after 40 years of waiting and believing that he was going to take possession of this mountain because God had promised him he would, God has made us promises as well, not in spite of dyslexia, but because it. You know, I think, and this is Hope's commentary, I think when the Lord allows things to happen to us, and he does for a purpose, his grace is truly sufficient. And when we abide in his grace and allow whatever the pruning or the burning of a dross or whatever he needs to do to prepare us for taking possession of, of whatever promise or whatever gift he has for us, all that stuff in between has a tendency to mean more to us than the gift itself. As high a value we place on the gift, we're able to look back and see what God has done. 
this story has caused me to resurvey my life. Once again, not in spite of dyslexia, but because of it. I don't see him as owing me anything because he allowed me to have dyslexia. What I see is a God that does something with it. I feel chosen to carry this cross called dyslexia for him to a world, to people such as yourself and myself, to show you that by standing in God, by standing on his promises, by trusting him and resting in him, what he has called us and designed us to do and to be, he has not forgotten. It may have been 40 years ago. He has not forgotten. And Caleb was able to stand on that very mountain he had seen 40 years earlier. I'm telling you, I read it and it just brings such joy and tears to my eyes when I think about him standing on that mountain, standing there knowing what God had done. And God is ready to do that for you and I. He's ready to fulfill his promises in us. No matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what we have to go through, if he has made you a promise, don't you let it go. Don't you give up. Let him do the work in you so that when you come in possession of that promise, it is so much more the sweeter. So much more. I'm asking him to put his story in me. Now, quite frankly, I don't really enjoy writing. I do it. Because I have all this information in my head. And it is a struggle to get it on paper. But I finally do. I was just telling the Lord this morning. Put your love in me for the gifts that you have given me. If you have given me the gift of writing. I want to love to write for you. I don't want to see it as something to fear or, or to get anxiety over. If you've given me the gift of speaking. I want to love speaking on your behalf. So I encourage you, as I bring this podcast to an end, a close, remember that God keeps his promises. We have a lot to say if we disqualify ourselves from the very promise he has long waited to give us. But he will keep his promise one way or the other. It can go south and he still will keep his promise. And that is to make sure we don't get that gift. Or he can keep his promise and to make sure that we do. This is a fundamental truth that we can stand on. And it's important because although we may not like it, he's a man of his word. We can count on. Thank you for listening to another episode from Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted. If you know an adult with dyslexia, please share these short devotionals with them. For more devotionals, please visit my website at www wrpublication.com where you can read or listen to archived shows. Thank you again for joining Dyslexia Uniquely Gifted and be blessed.